Good morning, church. It's great to be with you today and to journey to God, into God's word together. It's good this is the third service because that means we can go all day. Just kidding. But there is so much packed into this that I wish we could have all day to journey into it. Uh, as, as you know, we're in the Immerse Bible reading experience, and today's sermon sets up the reading for this week. And if you haven't jumped into that yet, I want to encourage you to do that. There is so much packed into this week, uh, from Elijah to Elisha and all of the crazy things that happen in their lives. There's just so much good stuff. And so it's like, like one of those like series or season-ending episodes that you just can't miss. It's like that. You just want to dive in. And so I encourage you to do that this week. Uh, well, we will focus our, I promise our time together. We won't go forever. Um, as we journey into the word today. And here's the point of today's message of what God has for us this morning. You might want to write this down. If you're taking notes, the point is this, the true God Yahweh desires your heart, not your performance. The true God desires your heart, not your performance. As we journey through the passage today, and we're just going to kind of walk through the passage together, there's going to be three questions that come out at us that we're going to, that I want to invite you to wrestle with as you consider where you're at in your relationship with Jesus today. But before we jump in, I want to set up the scene and give a little context. Last week's reading we, we involved Day, King David and his son Solomon and, and lots of other things as a part of that. Um, and, and years later, Ahab is now king of Israel, about the 19th king, and he is married to a woman named Jezebel, who's a Canaanite woman. And it, there have been idol worship and Baal worship and things like that in the previous kingdoms. But now Ahab and Jezebel have uh, just like lit, uh, poured gasoline on that fire. And, and Israel has gone way off the rails in terms of their idol worship. They're worshiping Baal, they're worshiping Asherah, and it's just absolutely not good. Elijah comes on the scene in the beginning of chapter 17, and he's a prophet of God, and he goes to them and says, hey, there's going to be a drought because you're not honoring God. There's going to be a drought in the land until I say it ends by the word of the Lord. So uh, Elijah is kind of getting under their skin a little bit, and, and sure enough, this drought happens. And, and when we pick up the story, it's through into the third year of the drought. That's a long drought. And so uh, Elijah is run away because they're chasing him. In fact, Ahab and Jezebel have, are so involved in these idol worships that they are seeking out the prophets of God, of Yahweh, and trying to have them killed. And so Obadiah, this guy named Obadiah, who's Ahab's like, right-hand man, his number two, a worshiper of Yahweh, not of Baal, has taken a hundred of the prophets and hidden them in caves, 50 in each one. And Elijah wasn't there because Elijah was doing some in another place and being tended to by God. Uh, but that's the scene here. Okay. It's not safe. So Elijah is told by God to go ahead and come out of hiding, and go find Ahab. And so Ahab and Obadiah are out looking for something to feed the animals, anything, so that they don't have to kill the animals. And Obadiah comes across Elijah. And Elijah's like, hey, I'm here. I want to speak to Ahab. Go let him know. And Obadiah's like, are you kidding me? We're trying to kill you. If I come and say, oh, Elijah wants to speak to you, oh, Ahab's just going to kill me and then come find you and kill you. And Elijah just comforts him and is like, no, it's okay. God's got this. 
Let, let me talk to Ahab. Go tell him that I want to talk to him. And so that is where we pick up in verse 16 of chapter 18 of First Kings. 16 says, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. It's you and your father's family have made trouble. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. This brings us to our first question as we look at the word troubler. The word troubler here, if you are a parent, you understand what it's like when your kids are fighting and they're getting underneath each other's skin. And I love this picture because it illustrates that the kids are getting underneath each other's skin as they fight over this teddy bear. But the mom is also like, come on, stop it, quit fighting. Parents, maybe you can relate to that. Kids, maybe you can relate to that. And your parents have said something like that to you. Stop fighting over this. They're getting under each other's skin. That's the idea of the word troubler. Or uh, from the song uh, Silver and Gold by U2, the lead singer of Bono. At the end, he, this song is about apartheid in South Africa. And he's, the words and the lyrics are a little pointed. And at the end of the song, he says, am I bugging you? I don't mean to bug you. It's the idea of getting under your skin. Okay, Elijah has gotten under the skin of Ahab and Jezebel. And so that's why Ahab calls him a troubler of Israel. But Elijah turns it back around and says, I'm not the troubler. You are. You've gotten under God's skin. Not a good place to be. So the first question that comes from the text today for us is this. How is the Lord troubling you? Is there something that the Holy Spirit has been working on you with? Pricking your heart, pricking your mind. Maybe it's something big and you know it's an issue, but yet you push it away and you pretend it doesn't exist. Or maybe it's a little thing and you're like, ah, it's no big deal. It's just a little thing. No, not a, not a big deal at all. And you just try to sweep it under the rug. But the Holy Spirit's pricking your mind. Maybe it's your image. And you're dieting and working out and trying to make sure you look and live up to a certain exterior image the way you think you need to be uh, viewed and perceived by others. Maybe that has become an idol for you, something in the way. Maybe money has been something that you are chasing after and running after, doing anything you can to get it and hoard it and keep it. Or maybe there's an issue, a sexual issue in your life or pornography. I know that was an issue in my life when I was younger and thank God for the freedom that I've experienced from that. But it's addicting. It gets a hold of you and doesn't let go, becomes an idol. Or perhaps your identity is wrapped up in something that isn't of God. Perhaps your identity is wrapped up in your success. Maybe you're a workaholic. Maybe it's just about you working all the time and not being able to stop and rest. Is the Lord troubling you in some way, shape, or form? Well, let's continue in verse 19. Elijah says, Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. That's 850 prophets to false gods. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver? 
between two opinions. If the Lord is God, then follow God. If Baal is God, then follow him. But the people said nothing. They had no response. I don't know about you, but when I was called out as a kid, when I was called out, there's times where I'd, I'd be, you know, guilty and just like, uh, and I got nothing, right? Called out. Try to think of any way I can spin the truth to, or, or to make myself look good, but you just got nothing. Israel is called out by Elijah right here, and they've got nothing. They've got nothing. So kind of question 1.5 for us related to the first one is how long will you waver between two opinions? How long will you try to ride the fence? You see, Elijah's saying, if God is God, if Yahweh is God, then go all in with him. Go all in. But if you want to serve Baal, then go all in with Baal. It's going to lead to nothing and emptiness, but go all in. Make your decision. Make your choice. And the people are silent. Elijah's like, okay, let's, let's, let's have it out. And then, uh, you know, maybe like a, you know, a smackdown here between, between God and Baal is what we get to see. And, and this is one of those passages as a kid that you'd read and I would read and be like, that's in the Bible. That is so cool. And so we're going to journey into it here and, and see this kind of this showdown between God and Baal. We're going to pick up in verse 22. So then Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. So get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but don't set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you can call on the name of your God on Baal and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. The showdown is set. Then all the people said, what you say is good. So they're in. They're like, let's do this. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. He gives them first choice, prime beef. Since there are so many of you, call on the name of the Lord your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. I don't know what time the sun rose at that day uh, in history, but morning till noon, we're talking at least like four or five hours, right? They're calling on the name of Baal. And there was no response. Baal, answer us. Baal, answer us. Come on, hear us. Hear us. We're talking to you. Respond to us. But no one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. They stepped it up. And still, no one answered. By noon, Elijah starts taunting them. And I don't know we see this, that we see this very often in Scripture, but here we see a prophet taunting. And he says to them, shout louder, he said. Surely he is God. I mean, you've been following him and, and saying he can do all these things. Surely he is God. So shout louder. Perhaps he's deep in thought. Maybe he's considering some things or busy. Or maybe he's on vacation traveling on a beach in Cancun or something. The word busy, just as a quick side note, you might have relieving himself in your translation. The idea we hear going to the bathroom, (laughs) 
which is kind of funny, right? It's actually more like he's relieved of duty. In other words, like he's, he's just, he's not on duty. He's off the hook on vacation somewhere. But it's kind of funny to think, well, he could be relieved of duty relieving himself. We don't know. Anyway, you got to love scripture. So then he, Elijah continues his taunting. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. Maybe he's taking a nap on that vacation in Cancun. Where is your God? So they shouted louder and they started slashing themselves, cutting themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom until blood flowed. What we in our world today are like, that's a weird custom to cut yourself, to invoke the response from something. Midday passed. So they're after afternoon, literally here. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying all afternoon until the time for the evening sacrifice. And through all of that, all of the the things they did, there was no response. No one paid attention. Nothing. Silence. Nothing. They go through this song and dance. And we try to do the same thing sometimes. Searching for something and trying to get fulfillment or meaning out of something that's not real. It's like I have this candy bar right here, this Reese's peanut butter cup. And some of you just had some serious saliva uh, show up in your mouth. And you're like, yes, please. Right. This is the real thing. You're going to open this package and eat the peanut butter cups. Or there's this image on the screen of four peanut butter cups. And then he looks even better because it's bigger and there's more of them. And you're like, I want that. But in order to get that, you go up there and you try to pull it off the screen and you realize you can't. It's, it's an image. So you figure, well, where is this? Where is this chocolate coming from? And so you track it to the projector, projecting the image and it's not there. And it goes back to the tech booth, to the computer. And it, you're like, ah, oh, where did this slide come from? And you ask Dom, who's our new tech person. And uh, he's like, well, Jim, uh, put this in there. Let's give our tech team a round of applause, by the way, because all this COVID pivoting stuff, they've been awesome. So we thank you for that. And, and Dom says, well, Jim put this slide in there. So you ask me and I say, well, I found it on Google. And, I, and then you ask, well, what website? And I tell you the website. And then you go to that website and you find, ask them, hey, where did you get this picture uh, of these Reese's peanut butter? Because I want them. And then they tell you, well, actually, uh, there was never any candy. It was just a graphic designer that drew it with a computer. It's not real. There's nothing there. We go through all of those hoops, all of that rigmarole to get to something that's empty, that's not real, when we have the real thing right in front of us. We'll take bids for this later, by the way. Just kidding. (laughs) We have the real thing right in front of us. We know the real thing is better, yet we find ourselves doing, doing all these things, jumping through hoops to please false gods in our lives. Maybe it's the workaholic in you that puts on a show pretending that you're not working when you're supposed to be taking time for yourself or with your family. You're answering emails or taking phone calls or whatever it is, and you're lying about what you're doing. I'm not working. No, I'm just checking the the game, the, the score of the game or whatever it is. But you put up a false image of what's happening. Or maybe what you're looking at on the Internet isn't good and you have to hide what you're doing. You have to put on a performance to, sh- to hide what you're doing there. 
Or maybe the money thing is, is real for you and, and you're hoarding it and hiding it and cheating maybe on your taxes or whatever it is to get it out of, or to, to, and you have to lie about what you're doing in order to hide, to hide it, to get away with it. And it's a performance. It's a performance that you're putting on and it's exhausting. And you can keep doing those things, but they lead to emptiness. Right? Just like the rigmarole of getting to a picture of a Reese's instead of the real thing. They lead to emptiness, to nothingness, to meaninglessness. Or you can put those things down and you can live into the good news that you don't have to jump through any hoops to get to the real God. You don't have to jump through any hoops to get to the real God. Let's pick up in verse 30. And for time's sake, I'm going to summarize what happens next. Elijah... Is like, okay, here's, it's my turn now, essentially. Baal failed to show up, it's my turn. So he gets 12 stones. That number's important. He gets one that represents each tribe of Israel. And he begins to build an altar. And he says to them, uh, there's one, tri- one stone for each tribe descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, your name shall be called Israel. There's an identity here. You see, he's giving the Israelites an opportunity to remember their identity as God's children because they identify as the tribes of Israel, the tribes of, of Jacob. And here they have this altar built with their, them represented. They're getting their identity back. And Elijah cuts up the bull and, and puts it on the altar. And then he's got the altar set. He digs a trench around it that holds about 15 liters. And, uh, and, and then he's like, okay, we've got the altar set just like the prophets of Baal had. But now we're going to pour water on it. And so they get four jugs, and they, big jugs, and they uh, pour uh, these four jugs of water all over the altar. And then Elijah's like, let's do that again. And so they do it a second time. And he's like, one more time. Come on, let's go. And they do it a third time. So much so that the water runs down the altar. It's completely saturated and fills the trench around the altar with water as well. And then we get to see the response and what Elijah does. You see, Elijah does not start dancing. Elijah does not start slashing himself. Elijah does not stop this or start this frantic prophesying. Instead, Elijah prays. He talks to God. He has a relationship there so he can do this. Verse 36 says, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. And here's what he prayed. He said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all of these things at your command. He gives honor and where honor is due. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. You see, God cares about their hearts, not about their performance. God cares about your heart, not the song and dance that you can do for him. He wants your heart. This goes straight back to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. And this is the idea that God is an all-consuming fire. You see, then in verse 38, we see that 
after Elijah prays, it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the bull, which we would expect. It also burned up the wood, which we would expect. But then it also burned up the stones, the 12 stones that are make up the altar and the soil and even licks up all of the water. God is an all-consuming fire. Deuteronomy 4, 23 and 24 says, Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. God loves his children and he wants his children, us, to be in relationship with with him. He is an all-consuming fire. And look at the response of the Israelites after this happens. They, it's uh, Verse 39 says, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate, and, or they bowed down and they cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They, their hearts return. They are awakened to be reminded of who God is. And so this is the question, the third question that the text brings to us today is, have you allowed God to consume your heart or are you on the fence trying to serve both God and idols? Will you let go of your idols and respond to to God as the Israelites did by saying the Lord, he is God? Will you acknowledge that at this point in your life, wherever you're at with Jesus, see, God invites you to drop the performance and return to his heart. He wants to draw you near and welcome you into relationship with him. He asks that you drop whatever has come between you and him and just come back to his heart. I like the way Craig Rochelle, who's the pastor of Life Church, puts it. He says, false gods promise what only the true God or the real God provides. False gods promise what only the real God provides. False gods promise something great and exciting, but at the end, it's meaninglessness. God, Yahweh, the true God, is the one who provides what we need, which is forgiveness of our sins. And that's the message I believe God has for you today. He wants you to know that you are loved by him and that you don't have to run after other things or hide from God in shame, but that you are loved and welcomed into relationship with him. He sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross, to conquer death and to be resurrected to new life so that you can live in relationship with him. Forgiven, loved, seen, and accepted. Right now, God invites you to surrender whatever has come between you and him. To lay it down at the foot of the cross. And I want to invite you to do that right now. So I want to spend some t- uh, just take a moment to pray together. And if you've never accepted Christ, there will be an opportunity for you to do that today. 
And, but this first prayer will be a prayer. If you have something in the way of your relationship with God, something has come between you and God, an opportunity to confess that. Let's pray together. So if you have something that's, that's there, that you need to surrender, that you need to lay down, something that you are, have let become between you and God, and it's causing you to perform instead of just being in relationship with him, I invite you to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I have let this come in between us and fill in the blank. I confess this to you and I hand it over to you, Lord Jesus. I surrender it to you and I thank you for your forgiveness. And I receive your forgiveness. And I commit to living my life for you. Thank you for loving me. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and invited him to come in, I invite you to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge, I know that I have sinned in my life, that I have not lived in a way that is honoring and glorifying to you. And right now I confess that sin, I acknowledge that sin, and I ask you to forgive me for it. And I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to follow you. I want to stop performing and trying to be something I can't be. I want to be who you want me to be. Thank you for your love for me, your forgiveness for me, and for your grace for me. And I commit to living my life for you. I want to follow you from this day forward. Amen. If you prayed either of those prayers and you'd like someone to pray with you or you have questions, there'll be folks in the hallway at the end of the service that you can talk with. This time I'd like to invite Pastor West to come lead us in communion. And this is an opportunity we have to celebrate what Jesus has done for us so that we don't have to perform, but that we can meet Jesus with our hearts.